Hey, it's Phil Simon. My new book is out now. It is called The Nine, The Tectonic Forces Reshaping the Workplace. It's my best work to date, and I hope that you'll check it out. Thanks. I got the job. But for how long? Get me in a room with him. Conversations about collaboration, episode 52. Matt Wade joins me. He is the co-founder of Jump to 365. His new book is Teach Yourself Visually Microsoft Teams. We talk about Microsoft's productivity and collaboration software, the overlap among its products, and the difficulty of getting people to adopt new ways of working. Let's get it on. Matt, where does this pod find you? Uh, I am in upstate New York, just outside Albany. I know the area well. Is it already a little chilly there? Yeah, it's getting a little chilly. The leaves are starting to change a bit. I miss the leaves and the snow, man. I, I wish I wore a winter coat once in a while, but in Arizona, you don't really have to. I lived in the Caribbean for a couple of years, and as much as uh, as great of an experience as that was, uh, I realized as a Northeastern boy that uh, I do appreciate the seasons. Hmm. Well, you and I both appreciate the power of these, what I call internal collaboration hubs, but yeah, I, I can't imagine that most people who read your book, Teach Yourself Visually, Microsoft Teams, have any idea that you can do even a quarter of this stuff. Am I wrong? I think that's accurate. Uh, I think uh, there was probably 75% of it. Uh, I and my, my co-author, Sven, new and then there was a lot of learning actually even though we you know work on this stuff day to day that oh wow i didn't know you could do that or there's a better way to do x you know there are there are a couple pleasant surprises even for us that we kind of use as the uh, some of the selling points that hey even the you know the experts out there didn't know this was available yeah is there a specific feature that jumped out at you going wow that's actually really useful and more people ought to know this so I didn't know that you could include a link to start a Teams chat with somebody from the outside. So like in your email signature or on your website, you can say like, start to chat me or something. Um, and it's just kind of like the mail to colon protocol. There's a similar one just for Teams private chat. So as long as your Teams chat is available externally, you can do that. And then um, a lot of people, especially if they're used to using Skype for business, the predecessor of Teams, uh, you have a buddy list in Teams. And a lot of people don't know that. So it's not just a, you know, a, a list of chronological chats that you've been having with people. You can actually set things up so that you have, you know, your, you know, HR people, your IT people, whatever um, groups of people. And you can also get notified if somebody's online, which uh, I just kind of assume that that functionality died with the Skype to Teams, you know, move. But it turns out it, it's there. I love it. We're two minutes in, baby. And we're already talking about protocols. <laughs> um, so I come at it from a different approach. You know far more about teams than I do, but I know more than mm -hmm. most. Again, I do think it's a low bar because most people, I would argue, look at teams as email 2.0 when you and I both know that it can do a lot more. I mean, there's no way you write a 400 page book on right. email 2.0. Yep. So I just assume having written both Slack and Zoom for dummies and, and using Google Workspace and Microsoft Teams to some extent that if Zoom has it, so to use your example of a link, right? Microsoft folks are looking at that and at the very least are strongly considering offering that too. Um, or at the very least just going, yeah, that works. We're going to effectively steal it. Right? Yeah. And so I, I approach it from the perspective of there has to be a way to make a channel private. And in Teams, 
you can. I think it defaults to private, whereas in Slack, it defaults to public. And once it's already private, this confused me the first time I started using Teams. I understand once it's private, you can't really make it public, right? Because that's a violation of the covenant when you start a channel. Hey, this is all hush-hush. I'm going to open it up to everyone. No, don't do that. Um, but um, apart from a few kind of minor stylistic and design differences, um, to the extent that you use some of these other tools, do they have more in common than people realize or am I way off base? So I think they are, you know, the Venn diagrams of them are maybe not one circle, but they're definitely very close to each other. Um, I use Slack for some outside of work kind of things. And um, I use Teams for work, right? Um, I use Zoom not nearly as frequently as I do Slack, but I think it's just one of those like, I prefer the Windows UI, I prefer the Mac OS UI. And I think that the separation there really comes down to um, how do I feel about it? Not so much what does it do for me? Um, I think there's a couple features that don't line up uh, exactly. Like um, if I'm not mistaken, a channel in Slack actually equates to a team in Teams. So the word channel, even though it's used in Teams, aren't one for one. Um, and that's one where people will say, ah, how come I can't have private channels and teams? And they said that three years ago, prior to that feature right, rolling out, right. but it was like, well, you're using the wrong word because a channel in teams is a subset or like a, almost like a folder structure underneath the group of people. Right. Um, and I think people were looking at it like, oh, I can't do it. And it's like, well, no, a team is private by default. Like a team is a channel, a, a team's team is a Slack channel. And of course you run into saying the word team about 2 million more times than you need to because of the terrible branding from Redmond. But um, yeah, it, it, one of, it, that's actually one of the bigger ones, I think, difference-wise is um, the, the sort of structure because uh, Slack is, is very top level, but then Teams lets you kind of dive down that additional level, which is both good and bad, depending on how well you know what to do. Yeah, it is confusing on a couple of levels. I know that the Phil Simon organization can have underneath it a bunch of different teams. But when I spin up a Slack workspace, that effectively is a team. Now, under that team in the Slack world, I can have as many public and private channels as I want. Right. But it is a little confusing. Um, I also want to touch on something you said about Microsoft branding. And, and before, when you talked about Skype for business or Link or uh, b- between Yammer and SharePoint yeah. <laughs> and a million other tools, um, it's a lot like Google, I think, because Google had Meet and Oh gosh, uh, Wave back in the day and Google Voice and GChat and Google Plus and a million different tools. And now it's Google Workspace. But um, if I put on my skeptic's hat for a moment, I can understand why some people are so freaking confused by all this stuff that they don't dig into the weeds as you and I both done in our books and realize that, hey, there's a ton more that we can do here. Again, am I crazy (laughs) for thinking that? No, and I I think... uh... You know, so Microsoft kind of put out Teams as its answer to Slack, right? And then Google realized with Google Apps and Google Suite and now Google Workplace that they had to backfill again, sort of, uh, and put that octopus with all the tentacles that brings all of the the experiences together. So Teams, the hardest part about writing a book about Teams is the fact that so many features are available in so many different places, and that literally, how do you not waste dozens of pages? on copy paste content that was, you know, in chapter five, that was also in chapter two, because discussing the fact that a word document opens up in teams, right? Like you can do that from OneDrive, you can do it from SharePoint where it lives actually matters. And like, but the functionality is roughly identical. Um, 
And I think with teams bringing a lot of that stuff together, you know, into this kind of collaboration hub, they'll, they used to call it a single pane of glass. Um, you know, Google realized they needed to do something too to kind of compete in that, you know, modern workplace world. And I think uh, Google has done a great job. Um, I remember I, I actually bid on a Gmail account back in 2004 on eBay, one of those invitations you could get. Yeah. If you don't um, mind my asking, what, what was your bid? I think it was like 35 cents. Like okay. I was in college, you know, like I was going to pay like 40 bucks or something. Um, but it was like less than a buck. And I got the invite and I've had a Gmail account ever since. And once docs and sheets and slides comes, wow, this is great. This is such a better version of what Microsoft has because it's browser based, right? And then Microsoft's still trying to catch up. And then, you know, um, I, I just think it's the whole like bouncing back and forth between who does what. They prove that. They prove the uh, the concept and then the others have to kind of steal. But the branding is getting significantly more confusing now because Google is really good at branding. Microsoft has been okay, but both of them have gotten worse. And I think it's because the concept is difficult to like simplify down to being this is what it is. And I think Workspace or Workplace, uh, is it Google Workplace now? Is that what it is? It's Google Workspace. It's Facebook Workplace. Place, gotcha. Yeah, it's it's incredibly. Are you a Seinfeld fan? Right. Uh, yeah. Oh, definitely. Okay, so there's a great scene with um, Newman uh, explaining to a woman through Kramer. Well, or Kramer explaining it through Newman about how certified mail isn't necessarily registered, da, 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 and it's incredibly complicated. Before Kramer just kind of bats a book at him and he shuts up. But it, it is it is frustrating in that regard. But keep talking. Yeah, so it it's just one of those things where it it's just so con, it's so complex to try to boil something as uh, feature ridden, I guess, down to a word or two words. And I think workplace or workspace or workplace either are a better descriptor than the word teams. I think that that like I'm just working on a, a draft for for another project I'm I'm working on right now, and whether we capitalize the word team like really matters. Because if you're talking about like a SharePoint team site, those existed long before Microsoft Teams ever existed. But I don't capitalize those because they aren't dependent upon a Microsoft team to exist. You can have a, a, a site, you know, uh, separately. And it's just annoyingly confusing to try to tell people what these subtle differences are, but they matter because when they make that decision, it's very hard to come back from a bad decision if you don't know what you're doing, which... I guess means job security for me, but you right. know, it's still you know annoying. Yeah, I'm with you. Slack is the same way. Um, you can set it up in a number of different ways, but if you've got multiple workspaces and you try to combine them, there are limits with that because again, if it's a private channel or we had private DMs, mm-hmm. Slack doesn't want that exported. Now, if you get attorneys involved because there's a lawsuit again, right. but that doesn't lend itself to doing it very quickly. Yeah, um, I was reading a blog post or listening to a podcast recently about this sort of omni app. And I don't want to slam the vendor, but it was this idea that we can create one app for everything. I have my opinion on that type of thing, but what's yours? Because the integration among the Microsoft products, I think is reasonably good and it'll only get better. Mm -hmm. Um, But you do have to use PowerPoint to create a presentation and Excel to create a spreadsheet. Um, Do you see all of those things converging into one app down the road? I don't, I think that the, the history and the status quo would preclude the major players from doing such a thing, because I think that once they break off on their, their pathway and they kind of fork to create new products, there's no way for that, for for basically all those rail lines to come back together and merge. I think there's possibility for a new, like an upstart 
to come out of the woodwork and create something from scratch to meet the need because now we know that it's better, right? Um, I think that the term integration by itself implies best we could do. Mm. And native built in is really what, you know, if you really wanted the panacea, you'd have to kind of build it from scratch because the code base of Word and Excel and Power, like those teams are huge and they've been separate since the early 90s, right? Like, um, and then you just add Outlook, Teams, Skype, Yammer, right? Like all those other things are, and Yammer was an acquisition. So of course, and actually so was Link, right? You know, Skype was an acquisition. Um, so all of those things just make it that much harder to ever bring those things together. And I don't even think Google could do it because they built theirs separately too. Like I'm pretty sure Docs came out first and then and then Sheets. But it depends on what your needs are. If it's just general, I need to communicate, I need to write documents, I need to crunch numbers, I need to present things, I need to take notes. That's probably doable because that's that's a that's a very basic and foundational sort of feature sets that people need. But the moment that you need like a reasonably powerful way to track tickets and requests or you know a CRM. I don't think you can do that. Um, I actually think uh, uh, Apple Numbers, their version of Excel, I always found that the difference between Numbers and Excel to be very unique because when you're in Excel or Sheets, you are stuck with the width and the height of your columns and rows across the whole sheet. But in Pages, you can actually input just, just a table of cells and you can format that table on a, on a page or, you know, whatever you want to call it. And you can have two or three or five or 12 or whatever, and they can be interrelated and interlinked, but displayed in one place. But you can, you can manipulate one of those tables separately from the rest. Mm. And that was sort of eye-opening to me because I was like, wow, an ex- a spreadsheet doesn't have to be this blank canvas that goes on forever. But when you make one change and one, one formatting switch you know, in a row or a column, you're now stuck with the width all the way down. And that's always been the biggest hindrance there. But if somebody looked at that, like, hey, I have some slides and a document and like, here's your empty space. And you can kind of drop a placeholder for what that medium is that you intend. Like, that would be amazing. I don't know if I could, you know, do that or lead that team to do it. But I think the potential would be there if somebody wanted to put the money and time into it. Yeah, I'm of the opinion that we can get these things to integrate or 50 cent term interoperate. And when I think back to when I first started using Microsoft tools, I used to do a ton of Microsoft Access database development and people would often say, well, can you send me this as a spreadsheet? Well, yeah, it's really easy in Access to pin a button to a form and either have it run automatically or have someone from a dashboard basically punch that in and it shows up as a spreadsheet or with a report they wanted as a, a PDF or a Word doc. So the level of interoperability, I think with Microsoft has always been there within the suite. Um, I think that it's challenging because, and, and you created the periodic table, um, you have all these different things. Um, in some cases, there's overlap, right? I mean, talk to me just for a minute oh, yeah. about the extent of overlap with the task or project management tools in the Microsoft universe, because what are there, five or six things? It's crazy. So the, the big picture ones are uh, Microsoft Project, which of course comes with a pretty expensive license. And that's the, the Gantt chart f- tool, which you know, you'll know you never see Gantt chart easy to do in any other tool in Microsoft's suite because that's just going to cannibalize itself. I have that crocheted uh, on a pillow on my sofa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then you have Planner, which is basically the uh, response to Trello. Uh, Microsoft acquired Wonderlist and renamed it to Do. Outlook still has tasks, although it is slowly being replaced by to-do. 
but the desktop versions of Outlook, and I think it's because of all those people who ba- who they just assume are going to say, "You'll take my Outlook desktop," you know, out of my cold dead hands. <laughs> right. You know? uh, that has not happened yet, and I can't even get somebody on the Outlook team to stand by when to do is going to replace Outlook tasks. And then you have some integrations that, like, you know, you can put. T- uh, checklists in OneNote, and those can connect to Outlook tasks. And you have the the uh, tasks app in Teams, which actually brings together, <clears throat> amalgamates basically your um, planner tasks and your to-do tasks in one pane. Now it's not new information. It's a different way to look at it, but it's you know similar. SharePoint still has the task list, which can integrate with Outlook tasks. So uh, a lot of it comes down to can it be viewed in Outlook, but the the change in pace is moving towards can it be viewed in Teams, mm. and uh, a lot of these things are sort of outdated features. Outlook Tasks is on its way out. SharePoint Task Lists are the old classic version of SharePoint, which like Microsoft says, yeah, it'll be supported indefinitely. But like, let's be real, eventually they're going to have to pull the plug on that for just maintenance is unnecessary cost. Sure. Um, so yeah, it's all over the place, and it's it's not just going to be. I mean, Tasks is a great example, but when Microsoft uh, broke off. Uh, Microsoft lists from SharePoint, it was strictly to respond to the success of things like Airtable and Asana and, uh, you know, those other list-based tools. And like SharePoint could do a lot of that already. It was just those other apps were prettier. So when they broke off into Microsoft lists, they started adding those colorful pill shapes around, you know, like a choice column or something. And uh, it's, but those Microsoft lists are literally just SharePoint lists with a different name now. And they happen to have their own homepage. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't realize that if I'm not mistaken, in Teams, if I want to share a file, right-click, copy link, in the URL, you'll see SharePoint, right? You know, or is that OneDrive? Am I conflating? Uh, so in a, in a team, it would be SharePoint. Yeah, exactly. Right, right, right. So it's interesting, kind of like when Apple says, we're not calling it iTunes anymore. We've got Apple Music and Apple Podcasts. Well, if you go into the library or the directory, it's called iTunes. So it's oh, easier yeah. for, the, for the marketers to say, we're calling it X, but harder for the coders to say, do you realize how much work that's going to involve? Because it yeah. isn't just a, necessarily a find and replace. Um, I want to shift gears for a second because one of the things that I enjoyed about the book is it it covers a lot of material. But as someone who's written a couple of books about these applications that go through things in a step-by-step way, I found it incredibly challenging to try to stick the landing because it ain't 1995, right? Software doesn't ship in a box every couple of years. I mean, you could go to Teams and it looks slightly or even... Uh, significantly different. Um, talk a little bit about how you were able to put out a book that was relevant given the fast pace of change these days. So first I had to get the uh, essentially the approval from the publisher that I could use the phrase at the time of publishing dot, 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 uh, right. just to confirm that it was timely and that um, we really kind of tried to uh, punch in a number of times to remind the reader that while the, the actual screenshot may not be 100% after the date that it's published, the core concepts are good. Um, this book has 300 plus screenshots. We had to do every one of them three times. So Microsoft rolled out, Microsoft uh, Teams's old uh, UI used to have these, um, I don't know, I guess a more sharper uh, icon set, and they now have a new uh, icon set. Well, the icon set rolled out before the color change of the UI was supposed to roll out. So when we took the initial screenshots in like late 2020, good. Early 2021, the icons started rolling out. So we did those again. And we weren't sure if the book was going to be out in time or late enough, I guess, for the full new you know, Teams 2.0 UI to come out. So it did. So we had to take them all again. The only chapter that we were we succeeded in not doing, and I waited till the absolute last moment we could possibly do it, was meetings because that's just really hard. Like we got ten, I think ten people, 
into a meeting together. It's really hard to get a real world looking meeting to take screenshots of without like bothering a bunch of people and saying, Hey friends, can you, you know, join me and just like, look like you're doing something and I'm going to share some content that looks real and, and that kind of thing. So um, I actually, I'm at Microsoft MVP. So uh, there's several thousand of us in the world for, for teams. So we have a little bit of early access to things. And uh, I actually worked with the Microsoft Teams product group to review and make sure that I wasn't breaking NDA in anything because a lot of the features roll out um, you know, at a time that we're not allowed to talk about it, but we can see it. So a lot of my screenshots were from my system. So um, even my co-author wasn't allowed to do them. He couldn't see the graphics until they were actually ready to go like at the very end with the proofing. Uh, so yeah, it was a bit of a nightmare. And uh, I had kind of prepped the publisher and all the editors ahead of time because <clears throat> their other books on these topics don't change nearly as much. Even if they're acknowledging Office 365 or Microsoft 365 and that stuff changes on a regular basis. Teams though, you know, if you look at the team, the Microsoft 365 roadmap, all the list of upcoming features, Teams always out outdoes all the rest of the apps by like three to five times as many items open at a given time. So the changes are just constant. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a lot of work and screenshots just take a long time. You have to like, we worked really hard to make real world looking content, not just test message screenshot, you know, but actually send like a real comment or uh, a real looking at meeting agenda that we were taking a screenshot of, or with the meetings, you know, slides that were real. And I threw in some, kind of fun references to movies and, and things like that uh, just so that would be kind of funny as the reader's going through and seeing some uh, little Easter eggs. Oh, dude, you're, you're making me laugh because there were so many breaking bad references. Um, I actually had to retake a bunch of screenshots in Slack for dummies because I couldn't use the picture of Jonathan Banks who plays Mike or Giancarlo Esposito who plays Gus because I could have gotten sued. Yep. Um, feel free to punt on this question, but I've had some challenges with, um, I want to name the company, but one of the software vendors and getting them to acknowledge one of the books, which I think both of my books uh, are very flattering, right? But mm -hmm. oh, hell, I'll just say it. Zoom for Dummies put out the list <laughs> of the 20 most valuable resources on Zoom. I'm thinking, okay, you know, am I number one? Am I number two? I'm not even on the freaking list. That blows oh, my mind. You have a 400 page ode to your product, right? <laughs> in which I actually worked with them as you did to make sure that yeah. this was a faithful representation. Uh, I don't have, okay, well, I've got a little bit of an ax to grind, but <laughs> uh, you know, is, is Microsoft out there helping get the book out? Cause I would think a rising buy uh, tide lifts all boats. And if people are buying your book, that's good for you. It's good for the publisher. Hey, and it's good for Microsoft. Look at all the things it can do. It is not just an email substitute. Yeah. So uh, explicitly, no, they, they aren't like uh, out pushing it. I think individuals probably are. Uh, I was lucky enough to get the community lead for Microsoft teams though, to write the forward. So if you, um, you have a copy in your hand there, uh, Lori Potmeyer is the, um, the person that basically uh, does their community development uh, stuff on the tech Microsoft tech community. And uh, she's at, you know, once uh, events really come back, you know, she's always at the events and doing, uh, um, I say co events, conferences, things like that, but she'll be doing, you know, events in the conference, for example. So she provided that input, which is great. I was not sure in a first time author, I wasn't sure how that works. You know, does the publisher have to review the forward? And like, that was, I, it was kind of nice to hear it was like a sacred thing. Like, nope, that's, we don't touch that. Like we'll proofread it, but that's it. Um, so just the, the, the general support from the product group was really strong. I have a good working relationship with a lot of them. Um, had a couple engineers that actually went through and reviewed it to make sure, mainly for the NDA stuff, but they provided a lot of feedback. Um, within the review. So um, I don't know if they're going to, you know, I, I've never seen like a, you know, Microsoft published 
top 10 resources out there for you type of thing. Um, but I, the community does a lot of the work for Microsoft on that, on that realm anyway. Nice. I'll get you out here on this. What book are you currently reading? Uh, so I'm reading Genome. Uh, it is the uh, sequel to A.G. Riddle's book called Pandemic. Um, I figured I'd go to uh, fiction for the first time in a while when I was on vacation over the summer. So I read that book, then I read your book, and then I got the second book. And it's uh, it's about, uh, it's kind of like, uh, you ever um, read any of Dan Brown's books? Did he do the Da Vinci Code? Yep. That's the only one that I read of his. Okay. So he, so uh, the uh, sort of reviews uh, are uh, aligning Riddle as being like Dan Brown meets uh, Michael Crichton. So science matched with some conspiracy kind of things. It's it's pretty cool. It's a little far-fetched, but it's pretty good. I like it. Okay. I, I do like Michael Crichton. I've read five or six of his books. And it's interesting to me as someone who reads predominantly nonfiction, the way that Crichton would just jump into an ER or a pandemic or whatever. Mm-hmm. Whereas Stephen King would write for a hundred pages developing characters before anything would happen. It doesn't mean that one's <laughs> better than the other. Just yeah, very different. No, I hear you. Yep. Yeah. Hey Matt, thanks for taking the time. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Thanks Phil. Appreciate it. Remember that these episodes drop every Tuesday. However, if you'd like early access to them, you're in luck. I've launched a Patreon page for this podcast at wait for it. Patreon.com forward slash Phil Simon. I've set up a number of different tiers, including early access and podcast sponsorships. Thanks for listening to Conversations About Collaboration. If you like what you heard, then how can you not? Please download, like, and or subscribe. See you next time. Remember that these episodes drop every Tuesday. However, if you'd like early access to them, you're in luck. I've launched a Patreon page for this podcast at, wait for it, patreon.com forward slash Phil Simon. I've set up a number of different tiers, including early access and podcast sponsorships. Thanks for listening to Conversations About Collaboration. If you like what you heard, then how can you not? Please download, like, and or subscribe. See you next time.